Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, as always, joined by Joe Resinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach on the Veritas Catholic Network, 1350 on your AM dial, serving the New York metropolitan area. Please be sure to download our Veritas Catholic Network mobile app so that you can have access to all of our content. And please be sure to follow Joe and I on Facebook and YouTube. Like, subscribe, share, hit that little bell. We're told that does uh, that's supposed to do some good on YouTube. And we'd really appreciate that. And today, we are very pleased and honored to be joined by Catherine Bogner. And for those of you who do not know who Catherine is, I want to give her a brief introduction. Uh, she is a Catholic school teacher and director of religious education from Central Illinois. She has worked with Catholics of every age, from preschool through adults. Most of all, she is passionate about equipping parents, catechists, and teachers to share the beauty and truth of Christ and his church with their students. Welcome, Catherine Bogner, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Thanks for having me today. Absolutely. Katie, we always begin with a prayer because all good things start with a prayer, and this is a very good thing. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Remember, O oh, most gracious Virgin Mary, never was it known that anyone who sought your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly into you a virgin of virgins, our mother. To you we come, before you we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your clemency hear and answer us. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Katie, I think a good place to start is where did you find your passion for education for educating children in the faith? Because clearly you have it. So I grew up, I'm a cradle Catholic, and I grew up in a wonderful parish. I actually am back at that same parish that I grew up in, if that tells you how great it is. <laughs> but um I had a wonderful experience in college with really seeing the gospel put to um, lived boldly for the first time. And after I came back from college, I was really on fire and wanted people to, um, you know, do more than just come to, to mass on Sunday. I wanted them to know that their relationship with Christ could impact literally every moment of their days. And so the first thing I did was I asked my pastor if I could start a Bible study for some of the girls who are going away to college in the fall. And he said, sure, Katie, that'd be great. And then he, I said, hey, Father, the youth group is, has kind of fallen. Um, it's, it's defunct. It's not meeting anymore. Is it okay if I start youth group back up? He said, yeah, that'd be great. And he said, and Katie, we, we also need a director of religious education. And I said, oh, no, no, I'm not qualified for that. <laughs> and, and then he said, oh, but are you sure? So he just kept twisting my arm. And you know how things go when your pastor asks you for something. Thing, I eventually said yes. And it ended up being very providential because my background is in elementary education. And so being able to work in the parish and um, kind of breathe my own like view, my own life into the program was a great gift. And so um, all of those steps in my story allowed me to see that my passion for education and a passion for catechesis actually really go hand in hand um, and helped me to see that I um, 
was excited to share the gospel, not only with the families in my own parish, but I also ended up starting a website and sharing teaching ideas for Catholic school teachers and catechists and parents to use at home. Um, because I realized I didn't, I didn't really realize how unequipped people often feel to share the gospel with their own kids or in their classrooms. Um, they feel intimidated or overwhelmed or don't quite know where to start. And so my experience and my excitement led me to then want to share these tools with other people. So that's the story in a nutshell. <laughs> but um, I just think that it's really important for those of us that um, have different talents and gifts to use them however God has, has blessed us with. And this is one thing I can do to help. Well, uh, so everybody knows we're at the front line with Joe and Joe with Catherine Bogner, and we are discussing her new book, Through the Year with Jesus, Gospel Readings and Reflections for Children. Katie, you said something I thought that was kind of interesting because it goes against uh, the narrative that a lot of Catholics hear. You said you actually uh, strengthen your faith in college as opposed to uh, lost it. Most people say they lose their faith in college. Can I ask where you went to school and what was the basically catalyst? Uh, what was it, the word I'm looking for? Cat, uh, catalyst. catalyst in college. Yeah. I was gonna say, I didn't know She's that. A catechist. She's a catechist. <laughs> was the catalyst um but yeah no that's interesting because yeah m unfortunately in america you go to college you tend to lose your faith so i'm interested in this question yeah i went to western illinois university a super tiny public college on the edge of the border in illinois um, but the what the catalyst was was i had a great newman center so when i got to college i knew that i would need to be plugged in and meet other people who shared what i valued um, and i was hungry for that i had never really experienced um, other young adult Catholics who are passionate about their faith. And someone said, oh, you should you should try the Newman Center. That's where you should go to Mass. Um, I had been involved in a lot of community ministry and you know non-denominational ministry and things like that. But I always knew that there was something about the Catholic Church that was true and good, and I didn't want to stray. But I also had never had a great experience of people my own age living out their faith. But that all changed. I had, there was an amazing community at the Newman Center. It was very small but mighty. Um, and probably another really important piece of that was at the time there were focused missionaries on campus. So the fellowship of Catholic university students. And so I got to um, meet them and be formed by them. And so all of those things. So between the great community and the, the focused missionaries, I just got a really good formation and saw what it was like to live out my faith as a young person. That's wonderful. And Katie, just uh, let everybody know, we're going to say it a couple times during the conversation. Your book is Through the Year with Jesus, Gospel Readings and Reflections for Children. Where can people find the book? So it's um, published by the St. Paul Center. So it's on their website. I would love for you to ask for it at your local Catholic bookstore. And it's also on Amazon. Awesome. Well, again, we want our audience to know where they can buy. So we'll say, mm -hmm. we'll say it a couple of times. I have a question. Um, so is the book itself, is it is it geared for parents or is it more of a classroom guide for teachers? What's the, you know, what's your, 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 your central audience? Like, and what's the age range of the, uh, of the book? So as for the audience, we were, we really were designing it um, for, um, to facilitate conversations between adults and the kids in their lives. And we were very, very careful in the wording and description so that it would work in both a classroom or a home. Um, so my background, I am a Catholic school teacher, but that doesn't mean this is only for Catholic school audiences. Um, but I also work as a parish DRE. So I work hand in hand with families who are helping educate their children at home as all families do. So we were real careful with the wording. And then the age range, this is gonna sound like, like crazy and wide, but we're saying from four to 14, um, because like I said, it's a tool to help facilitate conversations with the adults. And so um, I've actually have heard from many people who are using it with a wide family and there's something to be used, whether they have a young child and they only do part of the readings or they have an older child and maybe they're reading it alongside them with a journal and having those conversations. 
Katie, I have four children under six, and I'm sure there's a lot of listeners out there in the same situation as as my, myself and my wife. I mean, how can a family best utilize this resource and basically pass on the treasures of the faith to their children? So my three oldest nieces and nephews are four, five, and six right now. So I, I totally understand. And I thought a lot of about my niece and nephews with the conversations I've had with them just naturally over the years about Jesus as I wrote a lot of the passages in the book. So particularly for younger kids, one of the things about the book is that it's very flexible. It's not meant to be read cover to cover. When you pick it up, um, there's different like kind of sections for each weekly reflection. And so instead of reading the entire gospel passage, for example, you might just read the memory verse and then summarize the story in your own words. That might be more developmentally appropriate for your kids. But as they get older, there's also discussion questions. There's left to Vina prompts. There's a beautiful piece of sacred art to talk about every week. So the nice thing is, as parents, you can pick and choose with what time you have available, what your kids' interests are, and how deep you want to go. That's wonderful. And something that struck me when I, I just read the title of the book, Through the Year with Jesus, why is it important to basically present this format in the liturgical, like in, in the form of a liturgical calendar to children? So the church was very wise in setting up the liturgical year, don't you think? Absolutely. <laughs> so, I, th I think that um, the liturgical year is beautiful, and it's one of the things that kids can most easily be engaged in, I think, in our prayer and worship as a Catholic family, because it's so easy to pull them in with things like food and crafts and colors and celebrations. They notice the differences from one liturgical season to the next. But sometimes, because they're kids, we forget that they don't often see the big picture of the whole year. They're just seeing that one thing they did on that particular feast day. And so one of the things I desired to do with the book was to get us back to, I mean, what is the purpose of the liturgical year? It's to retell the story of Jesus Christ each calendar year. And so um, I think that the liturgical year is a beautiful way to help kids um, get to know Jesus better. But sometimes we need to zoom back and remember based on their age and their experience and their attention, they might need a reminder, oh yeah, this is why we're doing this in Advent. This is why we do this in Lent, for example. Can I, I, I just out, out of curiosity, where you're at in Illinois, I mean, what is, what is the overall, I don't mean politically, Katie, I mean, I'm talking about just in general, what is the overall environment for children, let's say, in public schools? Because obviously one of the problems that we have is what's going on in our culture vis-a-vis -vis children, what children are being taught. Now, I don't need to tell you, I don't think in the audience here, which is primarily Connecticut, Long Island, and Westchester, okay, it's not exactly kid-friendly if you're a Catholic parent. What's it like in, in central Illinois? What, what, are there the same challenges, maybe less so? What, uh, give, give our audience an idea of what's going on in the rest of the country. Sure. So Chicago is a whole other story, and I'm sure you understand that. So we're in downstate Illinois. It's very rural here. Um, and so generally, it's pretty conservative. And again, I don't mean that politically. I just mean morals and choices and such like that. So are public schools still facing incredible challenges? Yes. Like from my friends that I worked in a public school for a while, my friends who still work in public schools, and then my families who send their kids to public school, they're still... Um, there's a lot of things out there that we as Catholics like um, should be concerned about that are that are coming and happening in public schools, which is why helping form our families, if that's for some of them, that that might be the best choice for their family. You know, there are there's a lot of different schooling options, but specifically where you live, we might you know, not everyone has a great Catholic school at their fingertips or and not everyone can homeschool, for example. So I think we need to equip our families to know that they are the primary catechists of their children. They need to create a family culture where their children are strong and understand what they value and what 
what morals the Catholic Church teaches so that they, their children turn to their parents for the answers to those questions um, when the world might be telling them something else. Katie, yeah. I think that's a great point, and that's yeah. why this book is so important because, listen, people face all types of different challenges financially, different types of family dynamics. Not everyone could send their kids to Catholic school. Not everyone has access to a good Catholic school. Not everyone can homeschool. It just depends where you're located. I mean, obviously, the United States is a big place. More reason why parents have to invest in books like this to basically I mean, like you said, I mean, what are they, what, what's the, uh, the old adage? Uh, the first church is the, uh, the home. It's the domestic church. People have to educate their kids. They learn from their parents and this is a great tool. Yeah. And then one of the reasons why I brought it up and why I wanted to, to ask you is because we covered Illinois a couple of times on our show, which is mostly political and cultural commentary. But one of the things that I, I, I remembered in talking to you was that Illinois is trying to pass legislation that, uh, prevents parents from being able to opt their children out in certain in the public schools of certain things that let's say Catholic parents want their children opted out from. And that's why I wanted to ask about some of those challenges. So what we normally do, Katie, is, you know, we're again, we're talking about a lot of these different things, but it's so important for for to have you on and others who are writing these books that are, are great tools for parents, because like I said, the environment out there in many cases is terrible and we need to equip them at home. So go ahead, Joe. You introduced Lexio Divina to your uh, readers. I, when I first read that, I said to myself, how do kids possibly grasp this? But clearly they do. Um, we have to give kids credit. Could you talk a little bit about that and how have, have the children responded to it? Sure. If you've never heard of Lexia Divina, it's just a beautiful, it's an ancient practice of praying with scripture that allows you to slow down and really pray with the text um, instead of, you know, reading it more like a textbook or a story, for example. And actually, sometimes, I mean, not sometimes, a lot of times the kids blow me away with their insights. I think we forget um, the power that kids have to wonder and to be in the presence of Jesus and that their insights are incredibly beautiful. Um, and so Lexia Divina is my favorite way to pray with scripture with kids. And I think that in the book, the prompts, there's a short prompt for each of the four steps of Lexia Divina to go along with each of the gospel stories. And the idea is, is to, to kind of turn the table. So while the parent should be, you know, the moral authority and have something to bring to the conversation, that's what the, the book is a tool for. Those questions also allow the child to bring their experience and their, their, their prayer with Christ into the family conversation. And sometimes um, you know, we need to hear what their insights are because they're they're beautiful and powerful. So I think that Lexia Divina can be a really great way for a family, especially with many ages, to pray together and to gain insights from one another's prayer. You know, I got to I got to tell you, but I got to tell you something, Katie. I'm 53 years old. Okay, I'm gonna have to get. I know I'm not in the age range of the book. Okay, but I think I might have to get it because it's one of the prayers. I have problems with two prayers, and maybe it's because I. I have a million thoughts going through my head. I'm glad you said that though about Lectio Divina, but I have, I, I find it difficult sometimes um, that and contemplative prayer, but I love what you said. And the reason why I'm bringing it up, because I do know this about Lectio Divina, it does help you to just slow down, you know, try to clear your head and focus on a word or a phrase or a sentence in scripture and kind of think about it. So I'm going to get your book for me because <laughs> I need, I need a little guide when it comes to Lectio Divina. But also I love what 
you said that children has something to say. I always say this as a father of four. I mean, we we teach our children, obviously, as parents, but they also teach us. They teach us so many things. You know, Christ said we have to become childlike to enter the kingdom of God. Um, we have to listen to our children sometimes. They they say things. They're so innocent because we lose our innocence. We don't even realize it as adults, you know, by the day-to-day, you know, dealings that we have. Um, and children have that beautiful innocence, and we have to learn sometimes just to listen to them. And they can provide a key to something that we never, ever would have thought of. Um, how could this book be used by uh, educators, Catholic educators, who uh, utilize the uh, Good Shepherd program? Because this m- reminded me, I, are you familiar with that program? Yeah, we do have catechesis of the Good Shepherd at our school for our younger kids. So I think that that has also, um, while I am not um, an instructor in the in the for that. It has um, opened my eyes more to the capacity for wonder that every child has. It helps help me just to see that it should be an experience that the adult and the child are, are having together. So I do think that this book, while, while again, it's not necessarily required or you don't have to have a background in catechesis of the Good Shepherd, I do think that they're really great companions if that's a style that has worked well for your family or your school or your parish education program. If you're just joining us, you're at the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo, Joe Racinello, and we are having a great conversation with Catherine Bogner, and she is the author of Through the Year with Jesus, Gospel Readings and Reflections for Children, a very important conversation and a book you need to buy so that you can form, help to form your kids in the faith. Jo- go ahead, Joe. Katie, you mentioned that the book uh, incorporates weekly readings from the gospel. Which stories have you found that the children respond to the best and why? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think that kids really like the stories of Jesus's miracles because it's one of the ones where they can kind of, it's always good to try to put yourself into the story of scripture. Imagine what would it be like if I was there? What would I say? What would I do? What was Jesus doing? Um, what were What was the audience um, doing? Things like that. But the miracles, those seem to just blow their mind because in such practical, normal, everyday circumstances, something amazing happened. And I think once they can kind of grasp and see those miracle stories, it often can help them see that the other things that Jesus was doing was also miraculous as well. That's wonderful. I mean, just as an adult, my own practice, I read the Magnificat every morning, and I think that's something that adults should be doing is reading the Bible. But using your book and in teaching their kids, they're getting something out of it. Because, I mean, the Bible is for everybody. We all should be reading the Scripture every day. I mean, sadly, uh, you know, that's always like an idea that Protestants have. Like, they read the Bible. Catholics just go to Mass. No, we have to read the Bible every day. There's so much to be learned from it. Um, And to be truthful with you, that's why this book is a great tool, because not only are you teaching your children, but the Scripture at the same time is teaching the adult. I mean, you know, who can't use the wisdom of the scripture in a day-to-day? All adults can. In fact, I would go so far as to say is we need the scripture. We need to listen to the word of God. Well, that's why this book is great, because it's also reminding parents. Yes, prayer. We, we're, we're, we're going to talk about prayer in the next segment, Katie. But, but, you know, obviously praying together as a family, praying individually, praying as a family. We're not reading the Bible. Excuse me. We're not reading the Bible enough. We gave the world the Bible. I'd like to try to tell people that, you know, you tell people that and you get them very angry. We, we, we try not to anger people, Katie, but we're not very successful with that. We gave the world the Bible and many times, now again, it's beautiful that we get it in mass, but most of us are not going to mass every day. We're going to mass once a week, okay, which is obviously what we're supposed to do, but you're only getting scripture once a week. 
We need it every day, just like we need prayer every day. We need scripture every day. I'd love for you to comment on that. For adults, as, because I'm referencing what Joe said, for adults too. Oh, yes, absolutely. I agree that I think sometimes we think like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to mass and I'm hearing the scriptures there, which it's it's good if adults recognize that. But no, we need to be in the word every day. We need to be reading. We need to be meditating on it, whether it's, you know, reading a passage while we're praying the rosary, whether it's sitting down and doing Lexa Divina, whether it is studying the, the readings for the mass that's coming up so that you're prepared to hear from them. That's one of the reasons why in the book, um, there's a lot of beautiful Jesus storybooks out there that like kind of retell the story of Jesus with great pictures and things like that. But in this book, we chose to put the full text from the gospel story. So it's kind of a bridge between, you know, parents might be intimidated to open up the Bible and know, what do I read to my kid and how much and what do I ask them? But we wanted to do something more than just a summary of Jesus's life that was put in our own words. So we used the actual text from the scripture, but broke it down into a readable chunk and then put all of those other tools, the questions, the Lexa Divina prompts, the art right alongside it. So hopefully the parents and the teachers feel a little more prepared and equipped to use that. But again, it's alongside the actual text of the scripture that the Holy Spirit has given us. Katie, Excellent. did you write the reflections you know, on each gospel passage or did you get them from somewhere else? Nope, everything. So except for the gospel passages, of course, I wrote everything that was in the that is in the oh, book. Oh wow, that's wonderful. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's great. I mean, it's just I, I'm just thinking in my mind, it's just such a wonderful tool because a lot of times you, as a parent, you could open scripture and you could begin to read a particular passage, but then maybe not know which direction you want to go. So your book provides that for the parents to start, like you said, asking questions. Uh, talking about your reflections. I, I just think it's great. I, I just think it's great. And and again, I'm going to say it a million times probably today. You're going to get annoyed with me, Katie. So needed today. So needed. Let's talk about the art. You mentioned that there's sacred art in this book and it's aimed at children. Um, how did you choose the images and why were they important to you? So kids are incredibly visual as they're learning. And to be perfectly honest, adults are as well, right? We, we were given our five senses and we learn about God with all of them. So having some type of a visual was really important to me because otherwise the books was, book was going to be really text heavy. And so even if you have a child who's a non-reader or an early emergent reader, they, there's still a picture there that they can gaze at while you're talking about the book. And our older kids also benefit from that because there's another, an entire layer of meaning that comes from looking at a visual while you're reading a story. So the art that we chose is all um, very classic. So it's all from the past. Um, there, it, there's quite a variety. So there's mosaics and there's sketches and there's paintings and there's frescoes. So it's also a great way to introduce kids to the beautiful works of classic art that we have in the history of our church. And so we tried to pick things that were, there, there were quite a variety. So no matter what type of style of art you particularly enjoy, you're seeing lots of things and also things that would be kid-friendly. So nothing that was too, uh, I mean, you know, too scary, too gory, too, you know, things would be hard to work with kids, but, but still, um, you know, they're real, they're real pieces of art. And I think um, we, we mentioned Catechesis of the Good Shepherd earlier. And one of the things that um, that, that program does is it says kids deserve to have the real thing in front of them. They don't need it to be watered down. They don't need some plastic gimmicky version of it. They, they, they can handle the real thing. So we're giving them those real pieces of beauty from the history of our church. So the works of art themselves then are, are correspond to the particular gospel that, that, uh, that you're reading for, let's say on that particular day. Correct? Exactly. So there's a, there's a full page, full color piece of artwork for every reading. So there's about 60 pieces of art in the book overall. Well, who's your favorite artist? personally? And, and what's your favorite image in the book? Oh, that's tough. So I really, really like Caravaggio. Um, 
so he, I think there's only one of his in the book just because his are a little bit darker and um, but yeah I really really like that but honestly I think my favorite picture that's in the book um, I don't know the name of it or the name of the artist off the top of my head but it's an image of Mary putting Jesus in the tomb um, and it's because of the emotions on their faces so John is there and Mary and Joseph of Arimathea and it's just a really different instead of you often just see a picture where they're standing outside of the tomb and the, the stone is rolled in front Whereas this one, it's literally like Mary has her arms around Christ and they're laying him down inside the tomb. And so just that, it's a really powerful painting. And I think something really powerful to talk to kids about. You, you spoke about Caravaggio. I mean, uh, did you put in the uh, the picture of the calling of St. Matthew? Is that the one that you put? That one is not in there. I think it's the one of him being crowned with thorns off the top of my head. Okay. Um, like I said, sorry, 60. No, no, it's, it's that one for me is very powerful. I have that in my it house. Is. I always mm -hmm. found that image to be very, very like it draws you in. Um, I was, I was, uh, I wanted to mention about, <clears throat> about Caravaggio. Interesting little aside. When I went to, um, my wife and I went to Rome for our honeymoon in 2013. And I, and I was kind of like, before we went, I was like, I said, babe, we got to go. We got to go to Santa Maria del Popolo because they have the conversion of St. Paul. That's a good one. Too. In the church. Yeah. And because I'm, I'm one of those people like over 2000 years, St. Paul still calls people back to the church. I'm one of them. Okay. I came back to the church because, because of Paul. Um, and I wanted to see this painting. I wanted to see it. And Caravaggio is just so, so brilliant. But the interesting part is we walked into this church and there's a mass going on and we wouldn't, we didn't want to be rude and just walk to the side to go and look at the painting. So my wife and I sat through the Italian mass. Okay. But the interesting part about it is because I, I thought about it because you mentioned how Caravaggio could be a little dark on the one side, you have, when we went in there, you have the conversion of St. Paul. And then the priest says, oh, and, and by the way, there's another one on the other side. And he looked to the left, and there's the crucifixion of Peter. Um, and both yeah. extremely beautiful. Like you said, probably not meant for the children's book, okay? <laughs> but but Caravaggio is one of those artists in, in, in Italian uh, Catholic history that a lot of Catholics should look at. The images are beautiful. Um, so I just wanted to throw And interestingly in. enough, Caravaggio as a person was a wild guy. I mean, like in terms of like him, like outside of his art, you would think that he was like a, a Dominican monk. I mean, Caravaggio <laughs> was, was, it's kind of weird. You know what I mean? If you read about him, because um, his art is just so beautiful. And like you said, people are visual and, and people don't give children credit. They see something and, and like I said, why water it down? It should be classical. I mean, when I look at the calling of St. Matthew, a painting by Caravaggio, it's so powerful. It's so powerful. Uh, the men sitting at the table counting money. St. Matthew pointing to himself. Me, you're calling me. Christ's feet. He's leaving the room because he knows Matthew is going to join him. Um, even before Matthew knows that he's going to join him. These are powerful, powerful expressions of our faith. That's why it's great that, that you use the, the art in your book. I mean, because, you know, we, we, we don't put up our art enough, just like we I, sometimes I think that we as Catholics kind of like shy away from a lot of things. Throw the art up there, the, the, the good, the true, and the beautiful. The beautiful is a part of that. And that's so we went off But that's what's gonna change the culture, the good, the true, and the beautiful. I mean, it's things like this. I mean, that's what we are as Catholics. We're here to change the culture. We're in the world, we're not of the world. We have to be salt and light to the world. It's so important. Katie, we have about uh, two minutes before the break, and we do want to talk about saints, but for our audience, okay. Who's your favorite saint? Or do, or do you have a patron saint, I should say? 
that's like a terribly hard question. My confirmation saint is Catherine of Siena, and she has been my sidekick for a long time. But um, I'm a super big fan of Pope John Paul II. Um, and also, I mean, I have to say St. Joseph, right? I mean, like he's always been, <laughs> I've always been a fangirl, but especially this year. We're in the year of St. Joseph. We That's gotta right. love it. Well, <laughs> Catherine of Siena was a great reformer. I think she was one of 24 children, and if I, I'm pretty sure. And she also wrote to the Pope. I mean, she, you know, here's a, you know, she was born at a time when women really weren't given that much status in a society, yet she was an advisor to the Pope. That says something about her, I'll tell you what. And she was Italian, so you got to love that as well. Uh, who are, uh, I mean, briefly, uh, but who are a couple of the saints? And then we'll pick it up on the other side, because we want to talk about saints. On our show, Katie, we talk about the need for saints and you know, modern saints. Okay, so we want to talk about some of the saints we all know. Uh, who are some of the saints? That, that you highlight in the book. In, in the book. So one of the things that because the book is so scripturally based in the kind of the live it out practical se section, I fast forward and get, then gave some examples of modern saints. So John Paul II, um, St. Gianna Beretta Mola is in there. Um, St. Maximilian Colby are a few that are mentioned to show the kids that like people in modern times are living out these gospel principles as well. It's great that you mentioned St. Gianna, especially living in the modern culture what a lot of people in the culture war call the culture of death you know i mean a saint gianna is certainly a, a a great counter to that and her witness and that's why she's a saint so let's take a break okay we're just going to disappear for a couple minutes katie and then we'll be back um, you're listening to the front line with joe and joe on the veritas catholic network 1350 on your am dial serving the New York metropolitan area. We're talking with Catherine Bogner, very important book for parents out there, Catholic parents who want to form their children properly and are looking for a great tool in order to accomplish that. Her new book is Through the Year with Jesus, Gospel Readings and Reflections for Children. And Catherine is a school teacher and director of religious education from Central Illinois. So she is equipped, she is absolutely equipped to write this book. So it's a great resource. So stick around um, and make sure also uh, you follow Joe and I on Facebook and YouTube at The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Like, subscribe, share, do all that fun stuff. And we will talk to you on the other side of the break. Hey, you know about our Veritas shows, right? All five? It starts every Sunday at 5 p.m. with The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Their guests include the biggest names in the Catholic world, and Joe and Joe talk to them from the perspective of the everyday Catholic. Every Wednesday at noon, you can catch Let Me Be Frank. This is your chance to hear Bishop Frank Caggiano talk about spirituality, church news, and fun stories from his Brooklyn childhood and his life. Thursday nights at 8 o'clock. That's when you can hear It's Not That Late with Liv Harrison. It's a late-night show on Catholic Radio, and Liv mixes faith with humor, games, and dynamic interviews. There's a double dose of shows on Friday. First, at noon, it's Restless. It's four millennials talking about, well, life as millennials in today's crazy world. Yes, it's possible to be young and Catholic. Then, at 12.30 on Fridays, you can hear the focus on Veritas, where Peter Sonsky puts the focus on good works and the good people doing those works. Those are the five Veritas shows, and there's more on the way. Stay up to date at VeritasCatholic.com or on the mobile app. 
Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. And we are way in the breach with Catherine Bogner, who has written a new book, Through the Year with Jesus, Gospel Readings and Reflections for Children, a very important tool for Catholic parents in order to help them to form their children in the faith. Before we get back into the conversation, remember you're listening to us on the Veritas Catholic Network, 1350 on your AM dial, serving the New York metropolitan area. And please make sure to follow Joe and I on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, like, subscribe, share, do all that fun stuff. You'll find us at the front line with Joe and Joe. So let's keep the conversation going. Catherine, we were talking about saints in the book. Uh, which saints do the children respond the best to that you highlight? I think that kids really do um, appreciate learning about the modern saints because they can picture themselves walking the path that they have walked. Um, so while I, I really think there's two categories of saints that kids most understand, and they're often the ones that lived um, and walked with Jesus, so our, you know, our heroes of the Bible, and then also the saints that lived in more modern times who, you know, we have photographs of, and they played the sports that they played. And I mean, we have like, like Blessed Carlo Acutis, who was just um, beatified, who played video games, right, and, and was a computer programmer. So not that that's incredibly, that's that not the only necessary thing, but I do think sometimes we have to meet kids where they're at, and they have to have a situation that they can understand. And it's a lot easier to talk about them, talk with them about a saint from the 20th century than from the 13th century. So that's why I tried to choose some modern saints to include as examples in the book. So they could see how these principles and the story um, that they've read in the gospel, how it can be lived out in their own life. I think it's great because it shows that, especially using modern saints, okay, because obviously we always think of saints as we should as saints in heaven with halos and you know living in heaven with jesus and mary and joseph um but we have to remember these people are us they're just like us joe's a big saint when we were looking at a picture of saint francis right on the wall here joe's a big saint francis guy okay saint francis did not live a great life before his conversion saint paul we just talked about saint paul it's good to show that we all can be saints. Certainly, we need them. We're all called all right, to be saints. We're all called to be saints. Yep. And remember, like you mentioned, you mentioned uh, St. John Paul II, I mean, and, and, and um, St. Gianna. Uh, um, is uh, Pierre Giorgio Frassati a saint yet, or is he? I think he's blessed. He's, he's blessed. He's, he's blessed. blessed. And I think he's mentioned in the book, too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. So these are everyday people. They're us. And we can all be saints. If we look at their example, we can realize, no, no, I could be a saint, too. Right. And a saint is an example, and it's important. I love the fact that you're you're basically putting people that are relatable. That's the beauty of our faith. I mean, when we read about the saints, we basically see that these are people who made a choice, just like Mary, who said yes. I mean, life is about choices. You know, sadly, I think sometimes people miss that. They look at basically the circumstance that they're born into, whether they're rich or poor, highly educated or simple. And they say, well, that can't be me. No, the saints come in all shapes and sizes. And we have to teach them, teach about the, their lives to our children, because we're all called to be saints. That's what Mother Angelica used to say, who founded EWTN. We're all called to be saints. Don't miss the opportunity. We're going to be interviewing uh, a professor from Boston College next, uh, very shortly, Peter Kreef. He basically said that if, like, I'm paraphrasing what he wrote, but he basically said that when we go Go before God. One of the only things that we'll regret is that we weren't saints. 
on this earth. We're all called to be saints, and it's something we can do. You see, this is what people, I think, miss. They say, like, no, that's for Katie, or that's for Joe, or that's for Joe P. No, it's for everybody. We all can do that, and in doing that, we have joy. There's joy in that pursuit. It's the best path to take in life, never mind to go to heaven with. Well, that's the only path to go to heaven because you're not getting in if you're not a saint. And we got to teach that to our kids now. What better way to do it than to teach them through people that did do it? And that's why this book is so important. One of the many, many reasons why people have to get it. We have to go back to telling people about the saints. Hollywood used to do that years ago. They sure as heck aren't doing it now. Sometime after 1965, <laughs> they stopped doing it. <laughs> but, um, but Katie, uh, Catherine Whitaker. Uh, I love this quote. Joe. And yeah, she's uh, well, she's the author of Live Big, Love Bigger, and she had this to say about about your book. She basically said, through the year with Jesus meets families right where they are in all their imperfections and gives us the tools to wrap our children in God's word. The reason why I like this so much is none of us are perfect. You know, sometimes people could hear Joe and I and they could say, wow, wow, those guys are talking about, you know, the faith, you know what I mean? Or Katie, she's talking about the faith. She's doing great things at, you know, church teaching, you know, I'm, but I'm not like them. No, None of us are perfect. Something that Pope Francis said that always sticks with me, he said the church is not a museum for saints, but it is a hospital for sinners. We're all imperfect. We're all imperfect. That's why God came to the earth. He's savior to help us. Talk to that a little bit. You know what I mean? I love that statement. And 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 I, and I think that's why, to be honest with you, um, we have to... Become to be honest with you, that's why we got to go to church and receive the sacraments because we are imperfect. That's why this book is for you. It's not be, it's not for the perfect people. It's for the everyday person. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I I completely agree. I love the quote that Catherine said. She's a mom of six, and her kids range in age from college to kindergarten, and she just tells it like it is. God bless so her. So while I admire. I know. I admire her and look up to her. Um, but for her to say that, you know, to admit that, hey, guys, every family is imperfect. Every family struggles in one way or another to share the faith with their kids. Every family, you know, struggles with different things. So um, I do think that we live in a culture right now that's a culture of extremes. And so we tend to look at a situation and say, oh, well, I can't possibly do that. Like, I have to do it perfectly, or I, ha- I can't be as holy as that person, or that person has more time than I do. But that's, that's not it. Every single family is called to be a domestic church. Every single parent is called to be the primary educator and catechist of their child. That's what the church teaches. And so, and we do that amidst all of our brokenness and our sinfulness and and our, you know, the, the windy path that takes us to that. And it's never too late. So if there's a family that you're like, well, you know, I, we go to mass on Sunday and, and I drop my kid off at CCD and, you know, we pray before meals and that's all I'm really comfortable doing. We'll start now. Like pick something, you know, start praying a decade of the rosary in the car on the way to church and then maybe pick up a pick up a storybook and instead of reading about, you know, superheroes before bed, make one of your stories a Bible story. So it's never too late. You are never too far behind on this path to heaven with you and your children. One thing I would say, though, because I think a lot of the times it's important to, to emphasize to people about imperfections. And sometimes people think like Joe was saying, and you were saying, well, oh, that's over there. That's what those guys do. I'll, I'll do my best or whatever. But people don't realize, let, let me give you an example. Let's say you, you're somebody who works out in the gym and you lift weights. Okay. And then you go for an extended period of time doing that. And then you take a break 
for six months or 12 months, okay? You don't go back to the gym or you're not expected to go back to the gym and, and start doing, you know, bench pressing 300 pounds. You have to, you have to get back in. You have to start. You got to get the blood flowing. You got to, you know, start to get loose again. And then you work your way up. You build, you grow in your strength. It's the same thing with the faith. If you've been away from it for a while, don't jump in and say, oh, I want to go to Latin mass. How about, like you said, just start with a decade of the rosary. If you feel like you don't have the time, start with that. I remember I tell the story all the time in my coming back to, I never quite left the church, but I certainly wasn't practicing the faith. I needed to hear these lessons. I would, I was praying an Our Father, a Hail Mary, and a Glory Be every night before I went to church. I thought God was not listening to my prayers. Obviously, he had a different answer. But it started there with three short prayers given to us by the church and by Christ um, that I thought were going nowhere, but I would say them every night. But then the growth occurs. That's God, not me. But that's what we have to emphasize to people. Don't worry about jumping in the deep end right now. Just get in the pool. Dip your toe in the water. God will take care of the rest. I think it's so important that we emphasize to people, don't worry about imperfections, because as you guys both said, we're all imperfect. All right, just get started. I think this book is, I think your book is a great way to help people do that because it's a great tool. Your story, Joe, reminds me of Father Karapi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One <laughs> Hail Mary. Just one <laughs> Hail Mary is more powerful. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But, you know, also about imperfections, you know, many times, if not most times, God works through our imperfections. And let me just expand on that. It's through humility that we acknowledge our imperfections. If you are listening to my voice and you say, I have no imperfections, well, I don't know what I can tell you. But I mean, I have many. I'll say that. And when we acknowledge our imperfections, that's the window that God comes in through. We acknowledge them. Obviously, we have to first acknowledge them to ourselves, but then we have to go to a priest in confession. What a cathartic, cathartic moment. That is the I'm meeting Jesus moment. You know, the, the priest is sitting in in persona Christi for Christ and he forgives us, you know, and that's why it's important that like we as parents teach our children. It's for everybody. No one's perfect. God knows I'm not. Just ask my wife. Trust me. I'm not perfect, I'm, but I'm trying. Do you cover the uh, sacraments in the book, Katie? Yeah. So in the, the, every week has a practical section called live it out. And so in that I was able to kind of pepper in just little bits of different church teaching to give those conversations fruit. So that might be where one of those saint stories is, but all seven sacraments are mentioned somewhere in the book at least once. So that, and they always tie in with a corresponding gospel story, of course. So then we can see Jesus is the one who instituted the sacraments and here's how the church has continued to live them out. Do you, right. do you teach the kids about uh, Eucharistic adoration? Because I think that's so important adoration is in there as well. Yep. So same thing, like different types of prayer. I mean, I, I personally have a great um, love of Eucharistic adoration and so does my parish. Um, but so that's another thing in that practical live it out section has mentions, I don't know, maybe 10 or so different types of prayer, because like you mentioned earlier, different people are attracted and, and um, maybe benefit more from different types of prayer. And I think we need to broaden our prayer experiences so that we are able to listen to God um, and, and hear from him as well. And so by um, diversifying our types of prayer, that can really help us not get into a rut. And so there's, like I said, maybe 10 or so different types of prayer that are mentioned throughout the book for families to try. You know, adoration, you, you talk about, you know, it's something that you personally, uh, you know, participate in and your parish does as well. I, I find that it's growing 
across the United States. There's a call for it. Yeah, there's a call I really, for it. Uh, because our, our, our culture is so loud. And, you know, you go inside of the church and you sit before the Lord in silence. It's so needed. In my town, a family donated uh, a chapel and we have adoration. Um, well, now in COVID, it's only three days. But before COVID, it was five days a week from 11 in the morning to nine o'clock at night, Monday through Friday. So important. It, so it, that important. could change a community. Um, adoration and children respond to it. it. It's funny. I'll tell you a personal story. I mean, my own son, who's three, um, he was in church. We were leaving the church and we walked past the tabernacle. He actually bowed in front of it. You know, children respond. Uh, the priest almost fainted. So did I, because I know my son. <laughs> I mean, I, like, like, it's amazing what children pick up. You know, that is Christ. There's a visible like like tangible feeling when you're standing before Christ and kids will respond to that and more importantly to be honest with you you'll respond to that if you're hearing my voice we have to go before the Lord um, a good priest a friend of ours he's a Carmelite he said adoration is like radiation when we sit before the Lord he basically melts away the selfishness that's inside all of us because there's no selfish people in heaven. We have to grow to be selfless. That's what a saint does. And that is so important. And I love the fact that you're imparting that to kids, Katie. Um, you, no, sorry. Ahead, Katie. No, I was say, you mentioned kids' innocence earlier and the idea that we all have to become childlike in order to follow Christ. And I think that adoration is the best prayer to, to allow for that. Like it's their, their openness and their capacity for wonder means that adoration is a perfect um, place for them to be. Parents are often intimidated and I, be not afraid. Bring your child to adoration, even if it's only maybe for five minutes um, and then work your way up. So, so don't be afraid. Don't think you have to take your child into a perfectly quiet adoration chapel and sit for an hour and they will sit still and be attentive. That, so, so I just wanted to encourage parents, like don't be afraid to take your child to adoration or even just to pop into your church um, when Jesus is in the tabernacle and take a few moments to talk to him and have that heart to heart. Awesome. So you're listening to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, Joe Resinello, when we are having a great conversation with Catherine Bogner in the breach on the Veritas Catholic Network, 1350 on your AM dial. And we are speaking to Catherine about her new book, Through the Year with Jesus, Gospel Readings and Reflections for Children. Now, I know Joe wants to get into this because I do too, all right? Let's talk, because you're talking about gospel readings. You, 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 you've incorporated all these things into your book, Catherine. Let's talk about the rosary and the importance of it. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, Joe P. and I are big rosary guys. Um, my wife and I pray the rosary every single night. I, I absolutely believe what Patrick Payton, the rosary priest, used to say, the family that prays together stays together. If you ask me, that's one of the secrets to a good marriage, is you pray the rosary with your spouse. So important. But we have to teach our kids to pray it. Obviously, um, the best way to teach them is by doing it. It's an example. Kids see. They do what they see. Talk a little bit about how you introduce this jewel of the faith to the children um, in this book about praying the rosary. So important. So one of the things that we did was we made sure that out of the 60 stories that we chose, that all of the different, the 20 different mysteries of the rosary are covered in some way. So at the beginning of the book, there's a guide and some suggestions for praying the rosary with kids, because same as I mentioned earlier about adoration, B 
be not afraid. Don't be intimidated. Um, start small if you need to, whether it is a shortened decade or whether it's um, just a single decade at a time. But one of the things the book can do is it gives you the tool to help turn the rosary from the, the perception that it's just a route repeated prayer to an actual encounter with Christ and the stories of scripture. I think that the rosary can be one of the best ways to help scripture come alive because you're meditating on these stories about Jesus and his life, but then you're also spending time listening to, like, like I said, it's not just reading the scripture, like a textbook, it's thinking about the story and leaving some room for Christ to speak back to you. Um, so in the book, there's a guide that actually tells you what page number to find the different stories on to correspond with the mystery. So you could just open the book up while you're praying the rosary and maybe just have the art avail available for the child to look at. Um, or depending on how much time you have, maybe you read the gospel that is associated with that mystery or even just the memory verse. So again, it's tying them back to this is not just a, a re repetitive prayer. It's, it's a story that we're thinking about. Um, and kids need those reminders because otherwise their attention can wander. I mean, my attention can wander. So I benefit from this style of praying the rosary too. It's so important. I can't stress it enough. And I mean, this is why we have to teach our kids young about the rosary. Uh, Padre Pio said the rosary is the weapon. I actually believe that it will be the rosary that could change America. Um, our Lady of Fatima asked all people to pray the rosary. That's our mother. We should listen to her. Well, think about what happened in Mexico. We talk about it all the time on the show. Think of what happened in Mexico after Our Lady of Guadalupe. Yeah. I mean, the country, I mean, the, the, the Spanish had been there for what, at least a couple decades. Our Lady goes there, boom, the whole country's converted. And let's face it, I know this bothers a lot of Americans, okay? Our country needs conversion. I need Our conversion. We, we all, well, we all need <laughs> conversion, but at least, and, and again, it's not, the, it's not prideful. We all need conversion, but we recognize it and try to actually try in our imperfections, as we spoke about earlier, or through our imperfections, we try to affect positive change and to live good and holy lives, okay? And when we fail, we go to confession. But, but the culture is something that we're railing against because that's what needs to be converted. And as we said, and as you said, um, Our Lady's the one to do that. The rosary is such a powerful way to do that. Can you imagine if kids, rather than listening to Cardi B, we're actually praying the rosary. What might happen to our culture over the next 20 years? I love your comments on that, Katie. I do think that it could impact everything. Um, I actually was flipping through the book while we were talking. So Fulton Sheen, as I didn't mention him earlier, but he's also one of my saint favorite Illinois, saints. Illinois, oh, almost, <laughs> almost. I know. Yeah. So my um, my school is actually like I don't know five miles from the cathedral where he was an altar server and ordained a priest and where his body is now entombed. So big fan girl of him as well. So I'm going to read a quick quote, if that's okay. So said this about the rosary. Okay. So he said, the rosary is the book of the blind where souls see and there enact the greatest drama of love the world has ever known. It is the book of the simple, which initiates them into the mysteries and knowledge more satisfying than the education of other men. It is the book of the aged whose eyes close upon the shadow of this world and open on the substance of the next. The power of the rosary is beyond description. So to say I agree with your comments, I totally agree. <laughs> so I think And we have to teach our kids young this. You know, I, it's things are learned when we're kids. It's behaviors. My dad always prayed the rosary. Um and frankly, I pray the rosary. I, I, to be honest with you, I think I get that from my father. It's important. We have to teach our kids good habits. And that's why this book is vital because sadly the culture isn't. And as Katie said so accurately, we are the primary educators of our children. You know, we focus on things that don't mean anything as, as, as American parents sometimes. Ultimately, what 
is the most important thing is that our kids get to heaven and our church is the ark that's going to get us there. If we don't teach them, no one's going to. And that's the why culture's we, going to. And, right, and we can't allow that. That's why the, the church, obviously, in general, with all uh, you know, rich history and tradition and all the things and good Catholic writers out there like you so that no one, see, a lot of times people feel lost. That's one of the reasons why we're doing our show, so that we could direct people to a whole host of people who are writing a whole host of things that are all there to help us. Remember, we're supposed to build up the body of Christ. Well, what better way to do it than, let's say, just in a small example, introduce you and your book to our audience so that they go out and buy it, and it can help them to form their children in the faith. And the book, for all of you uh, out there who are just joining us, is written by Catherine Bogner. It is Through the Year with Jesus, Gospel Readings and Reflections for Children. Katie, I mean, obviously you're a Catholic educator. Um, when you speak to the average Catholic in the pew, do you get a sense that they're aware of the perennial teachings of the church? Unfortunately, I don't think that that's necessarily true. Um, I think that we've lost a lot over the past couple of generations of the importance and the beauty of the church. Um, I think that a lot of people, unfortunately, see their, um, their, you know, let's say mass attendance or their, you know, labeling themselves as being Catholic as more of like a checking the box type of thing. Um, so this is why we, we need to wake up as a church. We need to start reaching out, especially to our young families and supporting them so that they come back, not only just to get them in mass on Sunday, which sometimes that's, I mean, that's a starting point, but it's not enough. We also need to make sure we're equipping them so that they know that this is part of their entire family culture. It's not something that can be left or relegated to an hour on Sundays or less in some cases, unfortunately, um, that we, their faith is something that is lived out every day, that their prayer matters, that the way that they speak to their kids, to the things that they're letting into their homes, to the conversations, the hard conversations they need to be having with their children about what they're seeing outside of their doors or through their devices or whatever it might be. So I think that we, as, as an, especially an American church, I'll just speak to that, that I think we really need to wake up and we need to um, start providing tools for our families who so desperately need them. And it's, and it's, it's interesting in our culture is that we, you know, we want to protect our homes and you think about the assaults coming from the outside. All right. You want to look at your home as like this impenetrable fortress. Okay. The problem is rather than allowing things in our home, like rosary and catechesis and Bible reading, the, the enemy is in our homes, the TV, the computer, the social media. And again, we're all of which are useful things. Okay. If used properly, unfortunately, much of it, uh, you know, these things are not used properly. Much of it is meant to infiltrate our homes. Again, that's why tools and resources like your book are so important. You know, Katie, you mentioned, you know, basically like a lot of people, they don't prioritize mass. A lot of Catholics don't, um, you know, they don't go to church. You mentioned, you know, even before COVID, I read something recently, only 18% of the baptized go to mass. And I think about this because, listen, I'm in the world and I have all types of friends, not just religious friends. I have worldly friends. I have all types of friends. And I have friends who are parents. And I, I, I step back and I say, why is that? They don't see value in it. Parents do things that they see value in, like I want my kid to speak another language, so they take them to French class. I want my kid to be an athlete, so they take them to baseball practice. I want my kid to be a musician, so I, I teach them that, you know, a, a musical instrument or, how, or give them instruction. 
but they don't see value. And I've, I've, again, I've removed myself and I've thought about that. Why? Because they're not seeing the fruit of the church. One of the things that changed me, I mean, I was, I'm Italian. I mean, you're a Catholic, you're Italian. You eat pasta on Sunday, you go to church. I mean, that's just the way it is. And I went to Catholic school. I went to Catholic high school. I went to Catholic college, but it didn't sink in until I saw the faith lived out radically. I saw that in the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal in New York City. I saw that in the Missionaries of Charity. I saw that in the Sisters of Life. And it made it basic. And I also saw their joy. We have to live the faith radically in this culture. Do you have any orders in your area in Illinois, like let's say Sisters of Life or Franciscans? Do you have any local orders, soup kitchens, Catholic soup kitchens, things like that? Oh yes. Um, so we don't have any sisters of life in the area, but they're, they're one of my favorite orders overall. Um, my Bishop has made a joke and I hope that this go- comes across correctly, but he says that you can't shake a stick in the diocese of Peoria without hitting a Franciscan. Good. <laughs> so we have, we have some amazing and beautiful orders of both Franciscans and Dominicans that work in our schools that do, um, you know, that there's a lot, there's a lot, sorry. I know that wasn't very articulate. No, 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 that's, that's fine. Which is it's wonderful because some places in the country, like kids have never even seen a religious sister. So I feel incredibly blessed that um, while we're maybe not as diverse as some areas, we do have quite a lot of religious orders who are doing beautiful work for the people in our churches. I think it's important that that we emphasize the Catholics alongside of all the things we're talking about. Let's say, you know, personal piety and prayer and and all that. Mm -hmm. Attach yourself to an order. Get involved in an order. Franciscans is a perfect example, okay? Like we have the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal and Sisters of Life and all that. Um, it, it, you're around holy people, okay? Again, not perfect people. That's how I met my ho- wife. No, holy people, yeah. Um, but and, and you're also serving. You're, we're, in, we're in Lent right now. People forget we're in Lent, okay? And we're supposed to be almsgiving, okay? What better way than to go and feed the poor with the Franciscans in central Illinois or up in the Bronx or in Harlem around here? So very important, I think, um, that uh, that's why I asked. I wanted to see, because that's a great, I'm, for me personally, I know it would have to work for other people. Being around people who you know are holy and really attempting to live absolutely holy lives and become those saints that we were talking about, that affects you. That has an absolute effect on you. But but I also think you're doing that, Katie. I, I do. And we're called to be radical. You know, we could be that. You see, I think, and again, I remove myself from the situation. How could I make the greatest impact in America? By living a holy life. How do we do that? We embrace God, the sacraments. That's how we change America. Benedict XVI said this, and I think he's spot on. Only saints change the world. Getting back to what we talked about, uh, about saints that's in your book. Saints are the example. We have to strive for that. This is what America needs, in my view. And frankly, that's what's going to turn people back to the church. So important. Katie, we have about two minutes left, and it's very important because of your your involvement with education, catechesis, and with your book, Through the Year with Jesus, Gospel Readings and Reflections. Give Leave our audience with this. What could we do to improve our instruction? Specifically, what could we do to improve uh, RCIA programs? And again, we have about two minutes or so. So I think that, first of all, I have great respect for people who come to join the church. I'm a cradle Catholic, and so someone who is either coming back to the faith or someone who is coming to the faith for the first time, we can't leave them adrift. Um, So 
RCA classes are incredibly important, but they maybe are not enough for, to lay a foundation for the rest of their life, especially if they're a, a wife and, uh, or a husband that is raising their kids. So I think we need to continue to support our RCA candidates or our new families who come back to the church. Maybe they've been away for a while and they come back for, you know, to baptize their child or for their child's first communion and they've been, they've been gone. We need to not think like, oh, they've been gone for so long. We need to think, what can we do to support them so they stay? So that might mean tools. That might mean a companion family, like a mentor family to walk with them. That might mean checking in with them. That might be being real and saying, you know, from the outside looking in, you know, it might look like, oh, we're so holy or we're so perfect. We're all imperfect like you. I know we talked about that earlier um, and, and give them what they need so that they feel comfortable to stay. And most importantly, so they desire to stay so they can have that encounter with Christ. And it's no longer about an obligation, but about something that they have chosen that has impacted their entire life. I think that's so important for people to understand, you know, like when you talk about going to mass and you use the word obligation. Yes, it is. But it's something that you should want to do. And I agree with you in my journey back to the church, I was afraid because I was like, oh, that's where all the holy and perfect people are. And then after you kind of like, like I said, when you jump in the deep end, you find out, no, everybody's like you. You know, we're, 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 we're what, did, what did Chesterton say? We're all in the same boat and we're all seasick. <laughs> um, but it's good because that means, you know, in our seasickness, we could all help each other to get through that. But I just want so, to say one thing, Joe. What I think will get people in and keep them there is they have to realize that it is Christ himself that is in the tabernacle. When you figure that out and we figure that out by getting in front of him, you'll never leave. Katie, where can people find the book? Um, it's through the St. Paul Center. It's also on Amazon, and I'd love for you to ask at your local Catholic bookstore. Awesome, and it's through the Year with Jesus, Gospel Readings and Reflections for Children. Catherine Bogner is the author. We encourage all you, particularly Catholic parents, to go out there, buy the, buy the book, and it will help you to form your children in the faith. And we want to thank you, Catherine, for coming on the show. You're welcome anytime, okay, to have a conversation. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And thank you, dear brothers and sisters, for joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe on the Veritas Catholic Network, bringing the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York metropolitan area at 1350 on your AM dial. For all Veritas content, please be, be, please be sure to download our Veritas Catholic Network app. And remember that until the next time, our conversation is your conversation, and that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>